This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in Joe Ingles. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. For a limited time only, get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey. When you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union, Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. I'm not going to uh, bore you by reading you all the social media that we've got on our accounts uh, since that game ended. But I think you can imagine kind of the tone and the demeanor and how far down the fan base is. And so I think everyone's curious, well, uh, before we get to all the specifics, uh, how down are you? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a tough night and probably still heading into the morning now. So, um, yeah, I mean, we just, I mean, you can, like you said, there's a number of things um, that we didn't do well. Um a few things that we we did do well. I mean, I always kind of say it, but there there is always good things you can take. All right, what are those good things? Oh, I mean, I think the way we came out at the start of the game, I think we were on the front foot. I think the the or not like the three nights ago, or whatever in LA, we we kind of got pushed back a little bit, and we not that we folded over but it was like we were fighting uphill I think we came out aggressive and, and, and the way Boyan was shooting the ball like we were we were getting getting good looks and obviously knocking them down and it kind of I mean in terms of offensively especially dried up the, the shots weren't falling and, and we it was obviously every, every possession was making it tougher and tougher and then uh, a few turnovers a few breakdowns whatever it is um couple of the possessions like letting man shoot is there like you you, you have to play percentages on some of it and he, he made a couple of plays um but yeah well like i said we'll we'll go in this morning and film and, and obviously start to, to recover and get ready and um i've got no no other choice but to, to um put it all out there on on friday and then get a win and, and hopefully come back for a, a game seven so obviously multiple things went wrong, and I said earlier, uh, I, I think the number one thing I saw was just their ability to put their head down and get past guys repeatedly, and it was, it was different Clippers getting past different Jazz guys, and that made it worse because you just it wasn't like one thing you had to fix. The ball could go to multiple guys, and they seemed to be able to get in the paint or get all the way to the rim. Was that the first and foremost the biggest problem, or was it something else? Yeah, well, I think uh, obviously without Kawhi and, and whatever, they've made a pretty big emphasis. And this was even with Kawhi, no kind of games three and four of um, really pushing turnovers or even some makes. Um, really, really like pushing the ball and. and or in transition, which um, they haven't been a huge um, kind of transition, I don't know, about throughout the year. But once we've got back in transition defense, we've done a pretty good job in the half court. Um, but there's been so many opportunities that we we haven't got back. Um, and they've been able to get out of the lane. And then when you're on the back foot in transition, it's just like you were saying, like they've, might it might be a mismatch or it might be cross match just because of how quick they got up the floor and now we're guarding not the wrong person but Rudy Rudy might have to pick up the ball one time and, and I'm sitting back on Zubak in the post or whatever it is and it's um you end up being cross matched and 
Um, obviously, they're playing small, so there is a lot of similarities with, with the players out there, um, especially height-wise. But um, we have a game plan and we have matchups. We we want to get to them as much as we can. So, um, yeah, I think their aggressiveness and, and focus to, to really run is... Um, has been hurting us. They've been scoring in transition and, and like you said, just getting out. I mean, there was a few last night. It was like one dribble kick ahead and they were they were shooting a layup or getting fouled on the rim, um, which obviously being one of the, the better, if not the best defensive team for, for a lot of this year um, is not something that we're, we're not, I mean, not proud of, but something that, that can't happen when we're out there. How hard it is is it to bounce back from what we can consider a devastating loss? I mean, you guys are pros and you're expected to do it, but is it difficult? <laughs> the easy answer is we don't have a choice. Um, we lose on Friday. We're we're having our meetings on Saturday. So um, if this like. I think I said it to you guys last week. Like that, every every game should be important. So like. We're going to get to play this for, what, 10 years maybe? 15 if you're lucky? Like, this is a very, very short time in a very long life we're going to live. And we're very lucky to, to do what we do. And if you can't be motivated or whatever it is, like I said, in, in Game 1 or Game 72 or, or especially in the playoffs, um, like, it, I mean, you shouldn't be out here. Like, go and, go, go and find something that motivates you. Um, the... Like if, if and especially in this situation, like yeah, obviously it's frustrating and, and guys are pretty kind of um, not necessarily like down, but frustrated and, and obviously, as you said, being a professional athlete, like we can be down or frustrated or mad, but we do know the next day we've got to we've got to bounce back and get and start to get ready for for the next game. Like if we go into to game six feeling like we were in the locker room after the game last night, then we're almost shooting ourselves in the foot. Like we're, we're almost kind of starting the game a step behind already. Um, so it is, it is frustrating and, and guys are, are frustrated and mad and whatever other words you want to use. But um, I mean, we don't have a choice. We, we go out there and, and they hit us first and we're fighting uphill all game again. It's, it's, it's tough. And um, I think, Walking off the court in LA the last game, they're back to full capacity now, so they're going to be sold out. They're going to have their fans ready to go. They obviously don't want to come back to Utah, and um, we've got to do everything in our power to, to, to win that game, or whatever it takes. And if if you can't get motivated for that, or, or get focused and get ready, um, you're probably in the wrong business because it's as kind of like up against the wall, or, or whatever is whatever you want to say it is. Um, We've got to kind of embrace this moment, enjoy it, and, and, and like I said, come, come back with a win. We've, we've, got, we've got no other choice. Joe Ingles joined us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Uh, with Mike Conley out and with Donovan clearly limited uh, to shooting perimeter shots and uh, rarely, occasionally, but rarely attacking the hoop, I wonder if, uh, if guys like you, and I thought maybe Royce was thinking this last night, that you have got to break the paint, as Quinn likes to say, and get to the hoop. Do you focus on that a little more, given what's going on with other guys on the roster, or is that a dangerous way to think and you can't predetermine everything? you got to read the D every time and let them dictate your decisions. Yeah, I mean, you can't predetermine it, I don't think. That's, I mean, that's a, I like the, the pure joy of playing basketball. Like, it's a to read and react game and, and the best players and the best teams are the ones that obviously can do that at a, at a higher level. And um, in saying that, like, yes, like we, we still do have to have that as a, as a focus. I think, like you said, obviously Mike is elite at breaking the pain and, and creating and, and doing all that. And, and so is Donovan. Um, obviously Mike's out and, and Donovan's dealing with his, his ankle. Um, so for, for JC, myself, Royce, um, kind of really all the guards that are out there um, playing the way we play, like if we've got a shot, taking the shot. But, but yeah, like you said, knowing, knowing that if we can get in there and uh, play off two feet and, and create, and um, they, they do, regardless of the game it's been, they, they collapse so hard in the paint. Um, no, matter who, no matter who gets in there, um, they kind of collapse and then they, they fan out and then try and contest the, the shots uh, or make you drive again. So, um, 
I was probably trying to focus on a little bit. Like you, you don't want to over like you don't want to give up a, a wide open three because you're thinking about breaking the paint, and you don't want to over break the paint and, and not think about your shot. It's a, kind of a two edged sword, but um, yeah, I mean it, it's a read and react game. If we've we've got a shot, I feel like we should take it. We we have been taking it a lot of the time. That's how he's played all year. It's kind of what is, what what got us as far as um, we had, had so far got. Um, but yeah, we've we've got to read the situation. If they close out short or they miss a rotation, or it's Zubar closing out because of a rotation, like re- reading that play and making a decision and um, being aggressive with that decision, being confident, being aggressive, and um, whatever that outcome is, we make it, we miss it, we, we get in there and make the right play or have a turnover. We've we've got to get to the next play. And, um, back to what I was saying before, get back in transition D because on a, a make or a miss, they're, they're running it as, as fast as they can at the moment. So Paul George may not care about you, Joe, but I certainly care about you. And I also care about Paul George's ability out on the floor, and he's playing very, very well. Uh, what can you guys do to maybe rein him in a little bit more? Yeah, I mean... Um, I'm not too disappointed he doesn't care I won't, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that um, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure I've got um, a few people at home that care about me and that's uh, the important part but um, yeah I mean he's, he, he's playing at a high level I think he's obviously taken the the load offensively especially last night and the, the end of game four um, yeah we just got to I mean it, obviously the way they're playing with the, the spacing and all that, they're, they're trying to put Rudy in certain positions to not be able to help on the rim. Um, they're not even really like playing for mismatches. He's kind of just attacking whoever's on him. And um, top to bottom, we've, we've got to do a better job, whether that be Royce or I, who, who's probably on him the most, um, the, the two of us. Um, just making it tougher, uh, making it harder. Uh, obviously, I think. I can't remember off the top of my head, but like a majority of their starters, I think maybe Terrence Mann was the only one that didn't play like high 30s, early 40s, um, minutes-wise. So you've got to make them work, whether we can put them into more actions on the other end. Um, again, make it make it tougher on him in the half court. Um, again, I'm sure we'll we'll throw some different looks. We'll, we'll, like I said, we'll go in this morning and, and obviously have a, a shoot-around or a meeting tomorrow morning as well and, and look at some stuff. But um, obviously he's kind of the, the, the key, um, him and probably Reggie Jackson offensively. have um, been playing well. I mean, Reggie Jackson's played well kind of all series offensively. Um, so obviously the, Paul George is the guy that's kind of the head of the snake and then those other guys kind of feed off him. So, um, yeah, it's no secret we've got to do a better job and, um, I'm sure Royce will take that challenge. I'll take that challenge, whether it's a mismatch on him or um, we change some things up. We've, at the end of the day, we've, we've got to do a better job. So <clears throat> this will shock you, but we've got a lot of people hitting us up on social media about the refereeing. And you are a guy who talks to the refs a lot. Sometimes you're, you're hollering at them, uh, but sometimes you really are talking to them. And I'm wondering... How much stuff is negotiable and what you can say? Because clearly, uh, Paul George gets away with wiping away guys with his left arm as he drives. He's pushing off. But stars get calls, and we all know this. And Rudy, sometimes he gets called, but a lot of time he gets away as he's trying to block a shot with a hand in a guy's back, which makes it hard for the guy to jump and explode, makes it a little easier to block his shot. So how much do you have to concede that stars get that, and how much do you try to work refs during the game to get a couple of those calls at least? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's like a game within the game almost. Um, you try and I mean obviously they've they've got a, a pretty tough job as a lot of us are aware. Um, as much as we hate them at times, they've uh, I mean it's a, it's a tough. They, they're going to miss stuff. They're going to maybe overcall some stuff. They're obviously they've got the the video which they can go back and look on, um, which I think they've done a fair bit in this series. Um, but we yeah, I mean. Some of it is purely out of our control. Like, some of it you've got to read the way they're calling the game, whether it be like you're allowed to play more physical or not. Uh, obviously, the playoffs is always a, a bit more physical. You can get away with some stuff. Um, 
like you said, a part of it is they, they're going to, there is, I don't know, I, I doubt they sit in a room and, and talk about who gets more leeway and who doesn't, but um, there's certain things that they go unnoticed with certain people that I would get away with or whatever. So, um, like I said, it's it's almost like some of it's like a, it's a battle that's out of your control almost. Um, and I know I, like, it's probably silly hearing me say that because I do get on them a bit and I try to ride them a little bit. Um, some of it's really good conversation. Like, some of it is really, like, if you approach them the right way, 99% of the time, they'll obviously be respectful and, and answer your question or try and answer your question or um, try and help the situation you're talking about. Obviously, if you go up there yelling and screaming, they're probably going to walk off. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's... it's um, I feel like I've probably talked to them a bit less in the playoffs than I would would, would normally. Um, but, yeah, you're just trying to, trying to get a read on it. Obviously, you, you're trying to work it in... in your favour a little bit for, for whoever it is, regardless of, of who um, you try to help out. But um, yeah, part of it, obviously, like I said, is just, just out of our control. So we've got to, um, they're going to call what they call. Uh, we got to deal with it, get to the next play. Um, obviously, sometimes there's a bit more talk or, or whatever back and forth. But at the end of the day, we've got to get to the next play and, and um, whatever, run our offence properly. Um, or, or get back in defense, or whatever it is. So I'm sure there's, I'm sure they're sitting there thinking there's calls that they got missed on them, or, or they got screwed on, or whatever it is. So um, both teams are in the same position, really. And, and like I said at the end of the day, they've got a, a hell of a job to do with ten athletes yelling at them and two coaches yelling at them the whole time for a couple of hours. Yeah, plus eighteen thousand fans, <laughs> excuse me, or whatever it might be. <laughs> Uh, that's for sure. It seems like the Clipper role players are playing with a lot of swag and confidence, and I think that is contributing to them playing maybe a little bit better than they actually are, and good for them. You know, credit them for doing it. Is there anything that you can do to maybe bring those role guys down a peg and not be so cocky, which translates into confidence, which is important when you're playing any type of sport? Yeah. Um, like I said before, it's almost – like you, you pick your battles. Obviously, every game there's, there's a game plan, and, and certain people are you gonna know, let shoot a bit more, or not let shoot, but you want them to shoot um, sometimes, or you're gonna help off a certain guy, or obviously we're gonna trap certain guys, or blitz them, or whatever the game plan is, um, depending on the game or and, and the player. Um, like the one that pops out when you say that is like the Terrence Mann three that he made. He was I think he was one for five or one for six. Like right. that's the shot that obviously we were willing to give up. And if he makes one, like you don't run away from your game plan because of one shot. Um it's the like losing Canard and him banging a three or Batum um over closing out and him making a play for someone else. Um like knowing the tendencies of players um like we know, Terrence Mann, he he probably admitted like he doesn't really want to shoot probably six threes. He he will shoot them if they're open, um, but he wants to make you kind of cr- like close out reasonably hard so he can get on the rim or, or make a play for someone else. Um, so you've got to obviously got to be locked in with with the personnel of the team and and know whether we're closing out Shaw, we're, we're closing out Shaw with Batum letting him shoot it but over a contested hand, not just obviously letting him shoot a, a wide-open shot. So um, I think, like you, I mean, it's it's probably obvious that they are playing confidently as a, as a group, um, probably too, not just individuals, but um, just being really locked in with, with the game plan itself and then, then obviously with the personnel, whether we are whatever it may be, blitz Paul George and we're running back and, and Rudy has to close out to Terrence Mann late in the clock. Like, just being solid with that closeout, whether it's Morris, Morris posting me and we're going to double-team one time, knowing what we're doing and then who's rotating out of it. And um, When you're locked in and when you're executing a game plan, and um, I mean, you guys have seen it, when we're, when we're doing that at a higher level, it, it's... Like, we, we make it tough on teams. We make those shots um, tougher shots because they are against uh, over a contest or they are a shot that 
we almost want them to take um, that they're not comfortable taking. Like the amount of numbers and stats you get in the NBA these days, like you can tell where someone's not comfortable. Um, and it's pretty obvious. So um, that goes into it. And then, then obviously at the end of the day, it's about executing. Um, if you're the worst three-point shooter in the league and you get five wide-open looks, like you might... There's a good chance you're going to... Like, everyone's in the NBA for a reason. Like, you might not be the best shooter, but you can probably hit the rim and maybe one rolls in one time. Um, so, yeah, just just about being, like, really locked into, to, like I said, the game plan and the personnel and, and, and executing it. Well, Joe, we appreciate you coming on. You've got a great track record. We never doubted you would after a uh, after a fairly bitter loss. We appreciate it, and I know the Jazz fans listening appreciate it. And uh, we'll all be watching Friday night. Appreciate it. We'll uh, hopefully be back for a Game 7. Yeah. Look forward to it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, guys. All right, there's Joe Ingles after Game 5, looking ahead to Game 6. I'm such a softy, man. I don't want this season to end. I'll be sad. I never thought I'd say that 20 years ago. I'm a disgrace to the profession. You switch professions. You'd only be a disgrace to the newspaper profession. In radio, everyone goes, yeah, it sucks when it's over. Yeah. But, you know, some of you hear Joe talk, and you just want to continue. You don't want it to end, and uh, they have an opportunity. Especially this year because the door seems so wide open. And I think that's why all three of these Game 5 losses for all three teams, it just seems massive. Now, obviously, they can't all win it. They can't all win it. We we know that. But it's not overcomable. It's not not overcomable. Right. There's still hope. You're not eliminated by the third loss. And the odds say, and they were flashing up on the screen, whatever the NBA history is, 82 or 84 percent or whatever it was. So four times out of five, the team that wins game five and goes up 3-2 wins the series. Not so series. be the exception, right? The Clippers were the exception the in the last series. Clippers are the Clippers. Series. Come on. I mean, they're the Clippers. They're not the Clippers anymore. No, they're the Clippers. Okay. <coughs> I got something stuck in my throat or something. I, but they're, they're not the Clippers. They're the Clippers. Okay. They are the Clippers. <laughs> but then again, the Suns are the Suns and the Jazz are the Jazz. So none of these teams have ever won it. True story. And they've all had their moments of being right there. Maybe the Clippers haven't, but the Suns have it. You know, they had it with Barkley, and they had it with Nash. And even before then, when I was living there, they always had good teams. They were in the finals in the 70s with the Celtics. There's a famous triple overtime game or double overtime game, whatever it was. Yeah, but then they slip up. Some I can remember they were playing in Kansas City, which doesn't even exist anymore. They moved to Sacramento. Is that where they went? Yeah. And Sam Lacey was the coach, or the player. And I think Cotton Fitzsimmons was the other coach. And they, their sons are supposed to win, and they lost. And I remember one, one time there was a, a Mother's Day game. Same thing. They were up Seattle in, in Phoenix, and it was 2-2. And the sons were supposed to win. The Paul Westwell's mother sang the national anthem. He presented her with roses. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was where my friend decided that he needed to keep his foot over a chair. Oh boy, because that was that was the key, and uh, you know, and then they lost, and it was so disheartening. Uh, and that last night was disheartening, but you got to get past it, man. I, can can these role guys of the Clippers do what they've done? If they do, good on them, they win. And if Mike is going to come back, it's now. Well, I don't know that the Clippers have to win the same way. I mean, yeah, if they're going to win another high-scoring game, the guys have to score. But when the games have gone to L.A., the Jazz haven't scored. So maybe in this game, you know, the Clippers, you got to find different ways to win. It's hard sure, to win true. the same way all the time. So the Clippers may be thinking, if, if Ty Lue might be sitting in the meeting right now like, I don't know if our guys are going to shoot like that. We better, we better preach defense. The Jazz haven't shot as well on the road. You know, Bogey so won't due. make six in the first quarter on us here. Uh, so we got to be ready. We got to we got to be ready to win one hundred five ninety nine tonight. Okay, that better not be the score. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. It's ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. Stay with us tomorrow. Do or die game. This is what I'm made of. Uh, this is for the throne and the kingdom. Oh, Donovan Mitchell. Do or die. Do it now if you believe. The Utah Jazz, the L.A. Clippers. They'll show up for this game. Game six. The Jazz Live pregame show kicks off at seven with tip-off at eight. On your home for Utah Jazz basketball. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
George now with Bogdanovich again. Five to shoot. Step back. Left wing three. Over the top. It's good. Paul George is on fire tonight. George inside. Kick out man. Ball fake. Pump fake. Drive middle to the rim. Oh! Terrence Mann slams over Gobert. Counting in a foul. Couple of jab steps for George. He's going one-on-one. He'll rise over the top. He got the foul call. He put it in. Paul George. The 18-footer is true. And a three-point play for PG-13. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. All right, you heard some highlights there, PK. It is time to get people up to speed on everything that's happened during this show. Yes. And I think the one thing we haven't hit on as much, we've talked a lot about the defense and the three-point shooting and the, the Clipper role players coming up big, but uh, David Locke tweeting out at halftime, 10 live ball turnovers, 17 points off them. For all the defensive problems and 60 points, it's just too many to give up at a half. If you've got 65, you should have a big lead, and they didn't. But when you see how many points came off turnovers, yeah, we can identify the problems in the half court, but the half court defense wasn't really the issue. That 17 points off turnovers is just way too big a number. I agree 100%, yeah. And, and that, I think that's part of the momentum that the Clippers were able to build. And a bunch of guys who have no business being on top of the world were on top of the world. And that's not a disrespect to them. They're just not that good. But yet they were that good. So I'm actually paying them a great compliment is they found ways to really, really contribute guys that you wouldn't have thought. I mean, they not easily, but they definitely compensated for the loss of Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, they did. They got the win. So... However you do it. And, you know, and they did what Quinn has been preaching all year. you got to get out and run. When you have a chance. They did it the way they win. So it wasn't like, well, they compensated. They won, but the other team played so just miserably. It wasn't that. It was that they played well. They compensated in the manner as if they still had him. And that's what i got to say, man, it was surprising to me. I did not anticipate it. I did not expect it. But. Kind of give them their due. Can they do it again? I have my doubts. And maybe that's just the bias of wanting to see the Jazz win that I'm saying that, and it's not necessarily 100% true. We'll see. DJ and PK, uh, other stuff to catch you up on here. We're at BYU, BYU Football Media Day, and we have talked to Fessy Sataki, the wide receivers coach. We've talked to both coordinators, and we're joined now by Kevin Kloon, the linebacker coach. Coach, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we were uh, talking earlier with Eliza Tuiaki, and he said the linebackers definitely look like a strength. There was some real confidence in that when he said it. You feeling that confidence? Yeah, you know, there's a lot to live up to with these guys, but uh, I got a great crew of guys. I got a great room of, of hardworking kids. Um, and I expect, them, I expect the world from them this year, and they expect them to lead the defense. I expect them to make plays um, and, and run things. And so, uh, yeah, that's a lot to live up to. We lost, you know, a couple guys from last year, but – Really, most of the room's back, and, um, you know, again, this team, you know, we're going to have a big rough schedule and all that stuff, but uh, this team should be ready for it. You're a veteran coach. You're a veteran coach in the state of Utah. You're a veteran coach in college football. You've been around for a long time. As you evaluate this program as a newcomer into the program, what would you say is the talent level overall, not specifically defense linebacker, but I'm talking about the program? Well, you, you, you can... You know, if you show up early enough, uh, you can see our guys working out, and this is a big, good-looking team. And so, um, you know, and then you 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 kind of couple that with the the that what I've noticed about these kids in the last you know ten months that I've been around um, is that they got hearts, man. They got they got they are they got strong discipline and hearts, and they work hard. And so, um, you know, I think that on the on the front lines, I think in the front seven, you know, nobody's going to be able to push us around no matter who we play. Um, and, you know, it's just it's got all got to come together again. It's, this is a new, brand-new team. Last year's team did a great job, but this is the 2021 version. So that, that it's a reset. You have to start it all back from zero and, you know, work through all those steps. But i got full confidence in these guys. And when you talk about the front seven and nobody can push you around, and that is, of course, obviously exactly what Cougar fans want to hear. But there have been problems in some position groups in the past years where the front-line guys had it, but when there was an injury or two, the depth wasn't quite, wasn't quite up to snuff. 
do you have the depth in the front seven when inevitably guys get hurt? Yeah, I think we do, especially at linebacker we do. Um, and that'll be that's always an interesting thing as you talk about injuries. How does a team, uh, you know, reload after an injury? Or You know, we got, a, a, again, a good schedule where there's going to be some bruises and some banging and some things like that. So how do you come back after, you know, on a Monday, okay, we've got to reset the alignment, the, uh, the, the depth chart because this guy's going to be out and we move this guy over here and this guy's got to play over there. Um, you know, especially a linebacker. I got guys like Peyton Wilgar who I can put in any position at any time. I could walk in at halftime and say, hey, you got to play this position. He'll do a great job. Um, smart players like Keenan Peely that uh, can, can do whatever he needs to do, you know, whatever we ask him to do. And then you got other guys. You got Ben Bywater and Max Tooley who are athletic and strong, and they can fit a lot of different roles. Um, you know, you got, uh, you know, Chaz, all you that, that can play different places, you know. And so I feel that that depth on defense is going to be there. Um, maybe you're not seeing a bunch of stars, but you do have a lot of guys that maybe you never heard of. They're going to play some quality minutes. They're going to do some good stuff. Coaching is built on a lot of relationships. Can you explain the relationship that you had with Kalani that led you to end up being here? Well, we first met back in 03, I think and um, work together at Southern Utah. And it's, it's a great situation when you can work somewhere at Southern Utah and, and that maybe you can make some mistakes that go unnoticed, you know, <laughs> down there, that kind of thing. But uh, we, we battled down there. We, you know, you know, we felt like we built that program. We came in with a, it was a one-win team, and, you know, we left after two years with six wins, you know, and, and kind of was right on the edge and had some really good young players. We battled and recruited and figured things out and made mistakes together. Um, and just over those, you know, last 18 years or so, just staying in touch and talking defense and just, you know, and, and this and as well as the rest of the staff that I'm close with, these are great quality men that, uh, that, that Kalani's assembled. And so, you know, these, this is my family. These are my guys and my football guys that I go to and, and love talking with. And, you know, I spend Christmas with, uh, you know, with A-Rod's family or whatever it is. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a unique situation. So the Thunderbird Mafia, that's the key, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> go with that. I wouldn't go that far, but sure, yeah. Okay. So one thing uh, that came out of that program, I think, is they had some success over time, was the ability not just to identify the guys who are the best, but identify the guys who can be down the line. And so do you kind of see that pipeline at BYU, guys who've made that progression are now really good, guys who are in the middle of making that progression and still have upside that hasn't been reached yet? Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. We still have, you know, walk-ons that, that you may not know about yet that are going to do, you know, great things on either special teams or defense or things like that. But it, it goes back to a lot of recruiting in that, you know, you recruit athletes and good players, and then you figure out what positions to put them in. And it, this kid may not have been the best linebacker around, but he's a safety who likes to bang, and so he's going to grow after a mission. And he comes back, he's 22 years old or whatever it is, and, and he's, you know, 30 pounds heavier and now he's a linebacker and so that athletic athleticism can translate into different positions um and so that's one thing i think we do a lot of here is that you're you're projecting just athleticism and then we'll figure out where the positions happen later yeah that's sort of the ed lamb philosophy isn't it yeah yeah sure so correct me if i'm wrong but the opening came because on the staff came because two offensive coaches left yeah and that's Grimes in the old line and Grimes took the kit the guy went down to his name escaping me right now but he went down to uh, Baylor and so they chose to replace the body with a defensive guy uh, how does that all work well they were six on offense four on defense before um, and now it's five and five I think it just again it may not have been we need exactly this position or that position it just kind of like this is a good you know, situation. I'm loved that we got Coach Funk, who's got experience all over the place. Um, I don't know who's worked at more places, me or him, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I'll look to count that up one day. But no, I think it's a it'll be a good situation, and uh, you know, offensively, they should be able to handle the five. We can handle the five on defense. So, what is your recruiting territory? How is that working out? So, I got like the Bay Area, like the Peninsula, kind of the West Side, up from up to. Uh, you know, Sonoma and up the coast and then down to Monterey County where I grew up. And then um, kind of secondarily, I got some, uh, I got an area up in, in the Pacific Northwest with Oregon and Washington. 
and you know we have a couple of kids that have come out of that that area so i think that uh, that could be a fruitful situation you talk about having some depth and maybe some guys we don't know. You look at the linebacker spot, and when we think of BYU going back, we think of pass-happy offenses and all that stuff. But off the top of my head, I can recite five, six guys here in recent years at the linebacker spot who've not only gone to the NFL but played extremely well at the NFL. So the standards are very, very high there at the NFL do you believe in the time that you've had to evaluate these players since you've been with the program that you've got NFL guys there yeah for sure and uh, definitely you know they're going to put the product on the field and you're going to see that but they also have the combine numbers or whatever it may be and you know you're going to see you know we have a very young crew I don't know if we have anybody that's listed as a junior or senior right now but you know after four or five years here that some of the guys I'm sure will, will move on and try their shot in the NFL but, um, yeah, I do believe that these guys will have a shot, and, and it's, just, it's just getting that shot. You don't know when you go to a team what the situation may be as far as the depth chart or as far as, um, you know, the scheme that may or may not fit exactly what you're, you're doing the best, all those different things. But you just got to get that shot and find a way in and find a way to make, a, make an impact, however it may be. Maybe it's on special teams. Maybe it's moving positions. You know, who knows? Um, you know, I, I coached Bobby Wagner, and he obviously was a great, great player. Did not know he was going to be that spectacular. Hall of Fame, probably. Yeah, Hall of Fame player. <laughs> and, and I knew he was a great kid, and I knew he was going to do well. But the fact that they had a spot open and they were willing to give that to a rookie, you know, to run the defense, to be the guy that calls the plays, to be in the middle and do that, you know, is, it was a tremendous opportunity. He made the most of it. And so it's about – you know, just getting their foot in the door and then finding a way to make that impact because you don't know what the situation may be. You know, going to a, a team that's got to pay a quarterback can open up a guy, a role for a guy who's young and gets paid less at another position yeah. because of the salary cap. There's so many yeah. things that go All those it. economics are things we don't yeah. have to deal with. And so, um, you know, it's a who knows what the name, image, likeness stuff coming up. You know, that, that, may, <laughs> that may all change. But uh, it's, yeah, crazy times. But, yeah, it's, it's the NFL's whole different – way of thinking and a better player might get let go just because of those those dollars you know because of those numbers when you look at that linebacker spot as you go out and recruit and i know they're not necessarily specifically recruiting linebackers but the idea of the ascension into the pro ranks from byu how attractive is that in terms of being helpful to recruit other linebackers because they know scheme or whatever Hey, if I'm a star at BYU as a linebacker, that probably means I'm an NFL guy. Yeah, and it's it's just kind of where this program is going. And, you know, our schedule has, what, seven P5s next year. Okay, so that's a, definitely a P5 schedule. You're going to be able to test your stu- yourself against, you know, some of the great teams. And so there's going to be no question. You're either going to be able to do it, you can't do it. Um, and, yeah, we, when we get kids in here, you know, they all want to go to the NFL, and they're going to get that shot, and they're definitely going to be able to, to put it on film. Um, nothing's going to be able to hold them back here. But, uh, you know, there's also other reasons why they come to this school. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a unique situation that I'm, I'm just seeing the tip of the iceberg about. So what do you, if anything, do you know about Arizona? What can you tell us about the opener, what you're going to be facing there? Well, it's a whole new situation. You've got a whole bunch of new coaches, and you've got a whole bunch of new portal guys coming in. You've got a whole bunch of you know, question marks. And so, you know, I'm going back to watching UCLA film from 2017 when, when Josh Rosen was still at, at UCLA, you know, and I'm trying to figure out schemes and stuff like that, that the coach might like, you know, and, and, uh, you know, then we watch some Seattle Seahawks run game because Brendan Carroll's, you know, he's all that stuff. So it's just kind of a mishmash of, of all that is we're getting prepared and we don't know exactly what the personnel will be because of those, all those transfers and, you know, who's going to be the quarterback. And there's so many questions. But, you know, our kids will be ready. They'll be ready to play. Um, apparently I hear, you know, the BYU fans just spent a whole bunch of money and got 47,000 tickets for that game. Is that you guys? Oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, gosh, we've been down there for years. <laughs> you know, BYU basically <laughs> saved from extinction the Vegas Bowl yeah. when Bronco finally got it going. And, and they, they ref, uh, refer to Vegas as BYU's home away yeah, from home. Yeah, that so, was in Hawaii. Yeah. They called it the Ninth Island, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, no, but no, it's it's great to see. I mean, so when you see all that support, you know, there's not our guys are going to be ready to go. Our sure. guys are going to be jacked up, and our guys are going to do their best for the fans. Because NFL la- Stadium. Yeah, last year we had an empty stadium. You know, that was that was a shame that those kids know, didn't totally. get to, to yeah. showcase what they can do totally. in front of yeah. people. 
So, um, yeah, it'll be a fun game, and let's go. Can't wait. Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks yeah. for stopping by and chatting with us. Yeah, excellent. Anytime. All right, BYU Football Media Day continuing here in Provo. Kevin Clune, linebacker coach, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up, your feedback, and we will do that next. Stay with us. DJ PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets and tile clean, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean, and don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. All right, BYU Football Media Day. So instead of hitting the social media, many people upset with the jazz, upset with the loss, upset with the officiating, upset with the defense, we will skip that and we will talk with Gennaro Guilford. BYU defensive backs coach, and uh, you sat down and immediately PK launched into South Bay talk with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we go back <laughs> clearly. Yeah, yeah. But I'm the curious because because you um, you've been at BYU a long time because you were here as a player, uh-huh. right? And now you're back here coaching for a while. But you've got the ties out of state, so as you travel back and forth and you do the recruiting thing and keep in touch with friends, family, teammates, all that kind of stuff. How much impact does a season like last season have on the perception of BYU? And how much are reputations kind of in place and no one 3-9 and nine season or 11-1 season really moves the needle because you've, you've got a rep and you've kind of got a brand and, and it is what it is in college yeah. football? Um, tremendous impact, um, especially um, last year being that, you know, everybody didn't play and we were on TV pretty much every week mm-hmm. um so guys got to see the the style of football that we play um and then on top of that after the season having 12 guys sign nfl contracts is very very big um you know so um guys guys got a chance to to see the different um the different people that we have on our team from uh, guys from guys being from everywhere um and then they got a chance to to see that um if they do come to BYU you can uh, make it to the NFL from here, as well as, you know, all the, the SCs and everybody else. So um, they see that we do have guys that can play um, different positions. Um, they see that we played 30 guys on defense every game. So um, it was just a plus, and we start getting hit up by a lot of guys who um, are interested now. One of the things that may be difficult to go through in the moment is it seemed like in the secondary you guys had a lot of injuries over the last few years, which in turn actually allowed you to play more guys, maybe some guys that were before they were actually ready to play, but nevertheless you had to get them out on the field because it was a body issue. How much is that benefiting? Because you took a big hit in the the amount of guys, two guys right off the bat that I know, uh, well, three guys come to mind that you left that signed NFL contracts out of the secondary. So that, that's a pretty nasty hit. But you do have some guys who have experience ready to go. Yeah, it was kind of a blessing in disguise a little bit because those guys got got a chance to get viable reps. You yeah. know? Um, so we bring back um, probably seven or eight guys who have all started games for us. Um, so, um, And those guys would have probably played a total of 20 plays had, yeah, yeah. had that not uh, happened. So... Um, makes makes um, us feel a little a little better as as coaches um, as we have guys with that that amount of experience now um, that are competing for starting jobs. So when I talk about brands and reputations and all that, that all these NFL guys in the BYU secondary has not been the story for a long long time. How does that story get changed? Uh, you know, we just um, continue to do everything that. Um, Kalani and Coach Coach Lamb and, and Toyaki, they have a, a, a big picture um, recruiting certain guys, um, you know, um, developing them, um, doing 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 everything that that we've been been doing, hitting the weight room hard six days a week, running, um, you know, um, using the football IQ. Kalani's big on that of, of us, you know, putting them in certain situations all the time and having them get 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 smarter and smarter. So so when the time comes. Um, and, and they're, they're able to make plays, it's like second nature now. A lot of the kids that are playing a cornerback for you as your position coach, uh, a lot of them, most, most of them, I think, are from the West. Uh, so these guys grow up around Pac-12, and you guys are playing a number of Pac-12 teams. How important is that for them when you go out and recruit 
So we're going to play SC. We're going to play the Arizonas. Obviously, you got the Utah thing going on, mm-hmm. and, uh, Stanford down the line, and so forth. Uh, very important, um, especially because they have a lot of friends, yeah. um, you know, that, that play at those schools, the guys, guys that they've been um, playing against for the last four years who they think they, that they can compete with and they might be um, overlooked, you know. Those guys are going to big schools, so now they have a chance to play them. They have a chance to, to come home, and that's that's something that we um, look at as well. You know, guys being from Vegas, being from Arizona, being from California, and we're always going to those states to play um, pretty much every year. Um, it's, a, it's a great chance for their family to, to, to come out and see them, um, you know, two or, or three times a year or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So, um, so so for us, that's, that's a huge deal, and that's something that we definitely um, look into. I think for old-time BYU fans, they think of the link that uh, BYU had with Ricks or with Snow, Dixie when it was a JC. But the link on this coaching staff with Southern Utah is really pronounced now. And you weren't there the same time that Kevin Clune was there or, or Kalani was mm-hmm. there. But how much is the familiarity and that kind of process of being a coach? Coach Clune was talking about you can go to Southern Utah, learn make mistakes, not be on the big stage, mm-hmm. maybe yeah, let them kind of slide a little bit. Mm-hmm. Was that really important to your career arc? It was. It was for me, um, and especially for me starting at a Division three school, you know. So I got a chance to kind of really, really sit back and learn um, being at a, at a Division three school in, in California, um, Whittier College, um, being there, and then going to Southern Utah, um, you know, kind of being um, looked at as one of um, the, 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 the bottom tier, per se. Um, so being there with Coach Lamb and, and him turning things around um, and, and being – the, the top school in the the big sky um, from 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 year one to year two um, it just kind of taught us a lot um, and I, I was able to, to to be around great coaches now I know you can't talk about kids that aren't in the program so I'm going to ask you generally you're going to know what I'm talking about but I know you can't <laughs> mention names you know you had in some camps you got a, a, a hot shot uh, defensive back out of Florida to at least come out and take a look at the program um, is that something that is new to the program in terms of your spreading uh, maybe the message a little wider? And, and can we anticipate that actually coming to pass? We're going to get kids that are actually beyond the West? Uh, you know what? And it has, it has, um, it's, it's bigger than just um, our players and, and coaching staff. It's, it's, it's you guys, it's the fans, um, it's, it's, their, it's their family members, people who actually come out to Provo and actually see see it for, for, for what it is and, and don't just um, go by the word of mouth or whatever the mouth. case may yeah, be, yeah, you know, yeah. but for guys to actually come out, you know. Um, so the more people that come out and see it, the more the this economy continues to boom, people are going to come and see that this is actually a great place to live, a great place to raise a family. Um, as, as a parent now, I can, I can totally understand why you would love for your son or daughter to come here because, you know, they're in a safe environment. They'll, they'll be around uh, great people. So um, the more the more people actually come out and, and see Provo, the more we'll actually get guys to come in. And how much at this point is it really uh, is the emphasis really shifting to your players doing the recruiting? So when a player comes out, a chance they have to interact, whether it's with a small group or a big group, depending on the time of year they're here. How critical is your players selling the program at this point? Now that now that Kalani's been here and yeah. had a run. Um, for us, that's 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 been since day one. Um, Kalani always always tells tells players, look, it's it's a it's it's a players team, and you guys um, should actually sit down with our players away from us coaches um, because players aren't going to lie. Players aren't going to lie, especially if coaches aren't there. They they're going to tell the the honest truth, um, whether we like it or not. <laughs> but that's just the rea- reality of it, you know. So um, we tell we tell all all all. Um, Recruits, whether they come here, go to SC or whatever the case may be, go around the players, get around the players, ask them the questions, and they'll be 100% honest with you. So we are, we've been around long enough that we remember you as a player and you were a kid. Now you're an old guy and you're coaching <laughs> these kids who look at you as an old guy. Yeah. You ever tempted to slide in the uh, film and maybe show them a certain interception along the sidelines that you made in a big game? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Honestly, I've I've never I've never showed my guys um, my film. Um, they've seen it, but 
not for me. <laughs> you know, they are like, oh, okay, coach, I, you can you can play a little bit when you was here. I'm like, you know, I was I was all right. You know, I can, I can hold my own. And they're like, no, I seen I seen some highlights. But no, nah, I've 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 never just okay. been one to to pop on. Just you remember that interception I'm talking about? What, what, what was that against? <laughs> what was that? What was that? What year was that? <laughs> there was a there was a long winning streak hanging in the balance at that point, yeah. and it looked like it was about to go away. It no, did. It did. Sideline pass, if I remember, along the if BYU sideline. If sidelines. I remember, BYU had had a very unlikely comeback to score two late touchdowns <laughs> and take the lead, and then Utah was on a very unlikely drive. Hey, I didn't mention names. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> Fourth and ten, they threw it on offensive linemen and converted it. So I don't want to say oh, the defense yeah. was reeling, but the defense needed a player to step up and make a play because the defense was reeling. Oh yeah, you were. The de- I honestly, I could not believe that they were driving at that point, but it was getting to the point. I'm like, they're going to crack if. If someone doesn't make a big play, this is going to be an unbelievable ending. And then you make the interception, and the video your players all see, and people can go find it on YouTube, I'm sure. The cameras are shaking. The stadium is bouncing. (laughs) There's a little bit of tension released in that stadium in that moment. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Now, are you like, when we start bringing this up, are you like transported back? Can you you feel the guys on the sideline? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Justin Anna, our middle backer, who's now the D coordinator at a – well, what is it, Utah? Dixie. But uh, they oh, just changed Whatever, yeah, Dixie yeah. or whatever so, they just what changed. What do they call it now? I know uh, they just changed it. It's going to be uh, Polytechnic. Polytechnic. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. I didn't know if it's it was going to be Dixie, Utah, Polytech. Polytechnic State University. Okay. okay. UPSU. Well, UPSU. Okay, yeah. Right. I, I just <laughs> That'll remember. take some getting used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, in my head, I'm still I'm still saying Dixie, but I'm right, like, right, well, right. I think they changed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, yeah, after that fourth and ten to the – the offensive tackle, tackle eligible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. They're, now they're just reaching like, man. And Anna's like, look, man, we have, to, we have to make a play. Somebody has to make a play. And, you know, he's so intense. And he's still that way to, like to this day. Um, but I just remember him bringing us together, like looking at everybody and being so intense, like somebody's going to make a play. Yeah, that's a funny thing. I remember that game and the, getting in the elevator and, and, and from the press row, then we stop on the next floor which is the uh, high roller boosters, mm-hmm. and a bunch of Ute fans get on, and they're just as giddy as can be, right? Yeah. Because they think they got that. So we go the next, uh, whatever it is, the four or five stories down, and they're celebrating wildly because they think, and I thought too, I thought, yeah. well, they, they got this game, right? Yeah. So I can see why they're being happy. But you talk about making a play, and, and you made that play, and that won the game, and everybody went nuts and all that stuff. And you had a guy, uh, they got a couple brothers on the team, a few years back, Nakua, uh, who's in the NFL, has had an opportunity to make a bunch of plays. He made plays. It seemed like every time you needed a pick, he came up with it. Literally right in the very last game, in the bowl game, he gets a pick. Uh, how good do you feel about your guys back there being able to make a play when there needs to be a play made? You know what? They have to um, prove that they can do it. They've they've done it a few times as far as practice, as practice stuff goes like that, but we all know um, game time is, is going to be a little different. So, um, those guys are, are, are willing to, to, to prove it, um, and I just I just can't wait for them to, to go out and make plays. But um, we do think that we have a few guys who can, who can go out there and make those plays, guys who have the football IQ, who have the ball skills, um, guys that are willing willing to, to, take, to take chances because we all know as a defensive back, I mean, sometimes you have to take chances. Um, you might give up a few, a few plays taking chances, but, but at the end of the day, um, if you if – you, watch film and have have the the football iq um those plays just happen for you at times Gennaro guilford assistant coach here at byu it's byu football media day Gennaro, we appreciate a few minutes thanks for sitting down with us thank you appreciate you all right we're about out of time actually a little over time scotty g's right here he's taking over next stay with thank us you.